I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News and author of the best-selling book, Breaking the News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. A big show today, our guest is Mark Levin, one of the most important conservatives in America, period, and also someone who I have a great rapport with, so it's always exciting when he's on the show. Uh, But a lot of news that we get to off the top. First of all, this Dobbs case that was argued in front of the Supreme Court yesterday. We touch on this a bit, but I have to say we did flesh it out in more detail on the live broadcast on SiriusXM Patriot 125. You can also get the full show on demand on the SXM app uh, with other guests, Ken Klukowski and Dr. Gorka. But I give my quick assessment of where I think things are. And this is the biggest threat to Roe v. Wade that we've seen, I think, in my lifetime. And it doesn't mean that all abortion will go away. Uh, for better or for worse, it means that potentially we could be looking at as of next summer that abortion is a state's rights issue, as I think many of you would like it to be. Uh, Omicron is here, one case in California. We're not sure how it got to California, but the Fauci Biden administration or is it Fauci branded administration? They're chomping at the bit to take more of your freedoms. Uh, and we break down their irrational reaction to the virus thus far in this latest variant. Um, Biden has passed the buck yet again on the supply chain issues, and he's lying about it per usual. And he's even brought Santa into it. He's suggested that uh, only Santa can guarantee that presents arrive by Christmas. Seems like a bit of a cop out to me, but that is uh, his usual posture. And in this dishonest press conference, he said, among other things, that gas prices are uh, coming down and actually and the fact that they're so high is because of he implies it's predatory practices uh, by some of these companies that control our oil and it's just it's just bogus the gas prices are not abnormally high relative to either wholesale gasoline prices or crude oil prices as our own john carney has reported at breitbart so uh, absurd statements from biden to try to make him save a little bit of face Uh, in the face of flagging poll numbers. Also, uh, those get a mention on today's show as well. And uh, Republicans are helping Democrats fund a federal vaccine database, which is absurd and maddening. I give you the details there as well as Black Lives Matter wants you to boycott white companies. Wow. That's That's not very racist, is it? Okay, maybe a little racist. There's a lot on the show that I would have liked to have gotten to that we did not get time to hit. So this is why I recommend going to Breitbart.com, getting the Breitbart news apps. You get all the latest headlines. Uh, Brian Stelter of CNN suggesting that Fredo Cuomo could be back in January. So basically his punishment would just be have a really long, delicious Christmas vacation and come back next year, uh, which would just be remarkable. And I actually find it somewhat enjoyable because I just think it just makes CNN even more of a clown outlet if that happens. And uh, Alec Baldwin bizarrely telling George Stephanopoulos that he did not pull the trigger. I didn't pull the trigger. The trigger wasn't pulled, which is almost more absurd. The trigger wasn't pulled. Then how did the woman get shot and die? Odd stuff. But before we get into the monologue portion, I want to tell you about a great sponsor, a very timely sponsor, American Hartford Gold. I'm not the only one who's noticed this. Everything is getting more expensive. I just saw a Gallup poll showing that 45% of American families are feeling the pinch of the Biden inflation, and that number is only going to go up. I know I'm in that group. 
And this is the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years and inflation is here to stay. The Fed said so. So if the government continues its out of control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its refall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. They're the highest-rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text ALEX to 65532. That's 866-670-7660 or text ALEX to 65532. American Hartford Gold. throw a few items out there at the outset, as I often do. A lead story right now, Breitbart, is from yesterday's broadcast, which is Rand Paul talking about how vaccine hesitancy is mostly a response to misinformation from Fauci and big government types. He makes Fauci look so small and so and so partisan and so like such a hack because Rand Paul is so balanced and an individual in his analysis of this pandemic and this virus and government's role in it. Um, speaking of the government's role in this pandemic, we had an exclusive story that 80 House Republicans have helped pass a bill to fund federal vaccination database. And this has been described as a tool to enforce Orwellian rules. Catherine Hamilton wrote about this at Breitbart um, for us, that Republicans voted with Democrats to pass the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act, which is passed by the Senate and signed into law. And um, this would fund a federal vaccination database. The bill is called H.R. 550, and the government would provide $400 million in taxpayer funds for an immunization system data modernization and expansion, a system otherwise defined as a confidential population-based computerized database that records immunization doses administered by any healthcare provider to persons within the geographic area covered by that database. Now, there's no doubt that this will be sold as this makes it really easy to look up your VAC status. And since we're moving into this era where certain areas of the country and certain parts of our life will probably require some sort of uh, evidence that you've been vaccinated, perhaps hospitals, perhaps planes, and if you live in L.A. or New York, restaurants and gyms and bars. Uh, but we all know what this is. It's very similar to the gun database that people want, where the government can keep an eye on who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. So I don't get why Republicans would go for this. Byron Donalds, for example, Republican of Florida, who voted no on the bill, said it's because Democrats have a habitual pattern of reckless and wasteful spending. The legislation would unnecessarily appropriate millions of taxpayer funds intended to Expand Bureaucracy in Washington, a database solely created to record and collect confidential vaccination information of Americans explicitly encroaches upon individuals' fundamental right to medical privacy. 
Donalds continued as a fiscal conservative. I cannot in good faith support legislation that contributes to the Democrats' habitual pattern of reckless and wasteful spending and the intrusive heavy hand of government. That's well said. Now, the question is, why don't 80 Republicans see it that clearly? This is something that is a refrain I have had on the show, and I will continue to have it on the show, which is that what is popular with the Breitbart audience and something that we discuss a lot, not just on this broadcast, but in the Breitbart virtual newsroom. And when I look at the data, it's people who are fighters. It is not the people who roll over and see rationales to restrict more of your freedoms. 100% of the Democrats back this bill. This is just a way of tracking your VAC status, which as a vaccinated individual who generally likes the vaccines, I still find this offensive. And I rarely mention stuff on the show as offensive per se. Joe Biden's approval rating, according to one poll the Republicans had, is 36%. So why are we helping him out? I don't get it. Write it out. Omicron is here. First case in the United States, and it's in California. A lot of people were talking about the nature of some of the travel bans. Uh, Francis Martel, our world editor, Breitbart, who is truly a brilliant person, tracks the international side of the virus for us uh, very effectively. Uh, she was pointing out to me that uh, the travel bans are, are uh, incredibly stupid right now. The travel bans might have made sense when we thought the virus was in one country. Omicron's everywhere already. It was in Canada. Is not just in these African countries. It's not just in South Africa. The first ban on South uh, was on South Africa, which was absurd because South South Africa merely discovered the virus because they have good doctors there. So they got penalized for discovering it. They weren't the origins. Uh, they weren't the country of origin for uh, the Omicron variant. They just had the first scientist to figure out this is a new variant. And this is a bad one. So then. They get a travel ban slapped on them first. So in some of these European countries, for example, that there are, if you want to fly from some of the countries that are on the travel bans, there's not necessarily direct flights in the United States, or they're incredibly few if there's any at all. But you can just fly to the Netherlands, per se, and then fly in the United States. You fly somewhere into Europe and then fly in the United States. So it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing, and it's just a way of reminding people that this one is severe, and it's not, again, rooted in science. And this is how the Fauci-Biden administration operate at this point, is they just put the travel bans on now. It's just a it's message sending. It is a virtue signal. Even more discouraging, not to say that it could be, it's hard to get even more discouraged with the Biden vaccine response and the Biden lockdown response and the Biden response in general to this virus. But if you want to add something to the pile, add the ridiculousness of the travel bans. It's in Canada. There's no Canada ban. If it starts in one place, but it spreads to a billion other places and you only ban it from the places that where it started, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, it does look kind of racist because those places do have a lot of brown people. And we know Biden refers to black children as roaches. That is not a joke. So maybe it is a racist thing. I don't know. It would certainly be called that if Trump did it. Here is an epic exchange with Peter Ducey from Fox and Jen Psaki from the press briefing yesterday. Let's play this one, Mr. Paul. I believe it's 2A in my cut sheet. A lot of talk about the first Trump-Biden debate today, but at the second one in 2020, when roughly 220,000 Americans had already died of COVID, Joe Biden said about Trump, anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Is that still the standard now that more Americans have died under President Biden than President Trump? 
Well, I think the fundamental question here is what are you doing to save lives and protect people? And That's the former president was answer. suggesting people inject bleach. He apparently reportedly didn't even share with people he was going to interact with that he had tested positive for COVID himself. He continued to provide a forum for misinformation, which probably led to people not getting, uh, not taking steps forward to get to protect themselves, to wear masks, to eventually get wow, vaccinated. Wow, she's getting angry. This president has made the vaccine widely available. He's relied on the health, uh, the advice of his health and medical experts, and he is trying to be a part of solving this crisis, getting the pandemic under control. And I think there's a pretty pause. I hope she doesn't start crying. Did she, does she start crying, Paul? No, that was so brutal. Peter Ducey does a great job. Questions are generally crisp and effective, and they always make Jen Psaki look uh, not great. And that is only because she doesn't have good answers. The death toll under Joe Biden, as we've been reporting at Breitbart for weeks, was headed to a point where it will uh, eventually, in the next probably couple of days, will tip into the realm where more have died under Biden than Trump. And Biden's had vaccines the whole time. And um, I believe it's pretty comparable in terms of time as president since the outset of the virus, if not Trump had more time with the virus. By Joe's own standard, he should resign right now. Where is it, Joe? Give it to me. Give me that big resignation, then we can get President Camellia. How good would that be? But then for her to suggest that Trump said inject bleach, she never said that. Then the, her reference, though, that Trump had a positive test and then didn't tell people about it. That is interesting. That's coming out in Mark Meadows' book. He said Trump had a positive test for coronavirus days before the debate with Biden that he lost, the first debate where Trump, for whatever reason, did not do well. It was very strange because Trump, in his history of debating, has won almost every debate. You know, there was a way to dig up our older broadcasts. Uh, You would know that every, pretty much every debate in the 2016 primary race in general, Trump won. And he actually is a particularly good debater. That was his worst debate I've ever seen. And he apparently had a positive test and didn't tell people, including meeting with Gold Star families. But here's the thing. is that This is when the testing was even worse than it is now. It's already suspect now. So, But he didn't publicize it because, you know, what the media would have done with that. So maybe not his most honest move, but certainly one that you can understand. So that's what Saki was bringing up there. So I will keep you posted on the Omicron news. Um, The other big thing that's going on now is Fauci also said that testing border crossers for coronavirus is different than testing international travelers. Again, I I recommend over and over and over again, I want you guys to check out this Rand Paul interview we did yesterday, one of the most important interviews of the year. So it's on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast and the SXM app. Because Fauci is, there is no difference between testing illegal aliens coming in the country and international travelers. None. But Fauci says there is. And Biden goes with what Fauci says, thus the Fauci-Biden administration. Fauci's even bigger than than Biden because Fauci won't have to be held accountable by the voters in in, uh, a few years. That's a sweet spot. That's a job I'd like to get. Run the country and not even have to be accountable to voters. Some people call that being a king or an emperor. Joe Biden said on supply chains that only Santa Claus can promise gifts on time. He's going to have a real problem here as people get closer to Christmas and they don't get the stuff they want. I mean, I can even barely think about shopping at the moment because I just know that there's just so much that's going to be missing. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as uh, into the shopping. Mrs. Dr. Marlowe handles that for me on my side, typically. Um, but prices are going up in a major way and you can't get stuff you want anyway. So let's hear him try to explain it. Paul, uh, you can tell me, let's play 1A and tell me in my ear if you have any of these clips you like particularly uh, or in particular. Let's play 1A. Go ahead. Let's take a step back and take stock of where our economy is. Wages are up. 
Thanks to the American Rescue Plan, we've delivered significant tax cuts for families raising kids. Tax cuts and rising wages for middle-class families mean Americans on average have about $100 more in their pockets every month and than they did last year, about $350 more each month than they did before the pandemic, even after accounting for inflation. Let me repeat that. Even after accounting for rising prices, a typical American family has more money in their pockets than they did last year or the year before that. In fact, we're the only leading economy in the world where household income and the economy as a whole are stronger than they were before the pandemic. Yeah, but the problem is, is that the gas prices are up for Americans at least that much in a lot of in a lot of places, or at least, you know, they're up maybe, I don't know, 75 out of the hundred dollars. They just go right to, to, to gas. That is a he's just cherry picking and everyone knows it. This is the proverbial urinating on your back and telling you it's raining. He's not owning up to that things are difficult because of him. He just passes the buck any, anywhere. This is why our joke was at Breitbart yesterday that he is passing the buck to Santa Claus now. He's not owning it. He's not owning what's going on. He said for the vast majority of the country that there's not empty shelves. There are. And he also said the solution is to pass the Build Back Better bill, which is loaded with a bunch of Green New Deal stuff and a bunch of stuff to surveil you. That's the solution to fix supply chain issues. Let's play 1C. Go ahead. Last week, I announced the largest ever release from the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve to increase the supply of oil and help bring down prices. I brought together other nations to continue and contribute to this solution. India, Japan, the Republic of Korea, the United Kingdom all joined us. They all agreed to release additional oil from the reserves, and China may be doing so as well. This worldwide effort we're leading will not solve the problem of high gas prices overnight, but it has been making the difference. Over the last month, likely due in part to the anticipation of this action, we've seen the price of oil and gasoline on the wholesale markets come down significantly. In fact, since the end of October, the average weekly price of gasoline in the wholesale market has fallen by about 10%. That's a drop of 25 cents per gallon. Those savings should reach the American people very soon, and it can't happen fast enough. And I've asked the Federal Trade Commission to consider whether potentially illegal and anti-competitive behavior in the oil and gas industry is causing higher prices to remain, be maintained for consumers when the overall cost of oil is down. Well, we it can also ensure okay, that stop. American it's, people it's just too much. are paying it's a down, fair price for gas. It's down relative to the epic heights that it was already at. So when it goes up to, you know, $82 a barrel and then it ticks down a bit, he can announce it, it's going down. But maybe the maybe the cost of oil, if he would start drilling, would go down to $50. So he could announce it's going down. He's done an amazing job dropping it. But he could drop it $30 a, a barrel right now if he just started drilling. It's just an absurd logical fallacy that he is trying to sell to the public. And I just don't see the public buying it. I don't think any of you guys buying it, and I don't think there's even a lot of independents who are buying it at this point. Um, there's always more analysis on that at Breitbart.com on our economic section. Um, I won't spend too much time on it because we're going to have two guests on this um, in the show, Ken Klukowski and Mark Levin, talking about this. But the Supreme Court heard arguments on a major abortion case, the Dobbs case, which could potentially lead to essentially the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the sending abortion rules back to the states, which of course would be a neutron bomb in American culture and would have massive ram ramifications 
Um, but that, that, of course, would take a lot of spine from a lot of Republicans. I'm sorry, Republican appointed judges. So that would involve, I'm talking to Barrett, I'm talking to Kavanaugh, and I'm talking to Roberts, who's kind of a lost cause. I think Gorsuch and Clarence Thomas are inclined to go hardcore on this one, pretty much automatic. Uh, Joe was asked if he will go and visit the families of the Michigan school shooting and has indicated he will not necessarily do that, so we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, he's not going to Waukesha. Why would he do that? Because, hey, it wasn't as bad as, let's say, Charlottesville. His son, Hunter, has been called the true sheik of Washington, according to a British SAS officer. And this is part of the laptop from hell scoops that are coming out. There's some new ones coming out in Miranda Devine's book. She's a New York Post reporter who worked with um, Emma Jo Morris, who's now with Breitbart. He's got a book out on it. Um, I, again, I think that the galaxy brain take, the big brain take on Hunter, is not that he's some sort of a loser. It's that Hunter is actually a, a expert grifter who has been able to use the system to amass an untold amounts of wealth and power without actually having to work at all, just because his last name is Biden. And I begrudgingly give him some credit for being somewhat clever. Um, Black Lives Matter has demanded that holidays, a holiday boycott of white companies. I don't know what is a white company these days. Seems like most companies these days are pretty international and pretty woke. Uh, take a look what's going on at Twitter if you need evidence of that. And then we're also seeing parts of the country starting to board up in anticipation of perhaps rioting and more looting, which is have taking place throughout the country as we move further away toward law and order and more towards whatever narrative fits the left wing at that point. And the narrative right now is that law and order is bad, defunding the police is good, and enforcing the laws is racist. Meanwhile, the NBA is saying that they have a social justice coalition that wants an evolution in advocacy. So what do you think that means? Do you think they're talking about China there, or do you think they're talking about more Black Lives Matter stuff, where they use their prominence as famous entertainers who are good at shooting hoop to try to push the country in a more leftward direction and more further away from traditional American values, the values that made all of them very rich and powerful and towards, I don't know, some sort of woke utopia that doesn't exist and uh, ends up empowering a lot of Marxists who hate this country. So that's the rundown on what's going on. I'll throw out one more um, thing before we take a break. Between 240,000 and 740,000 potential cancer cases have been missed during the UK's lockdown, according to a UK audit. This is one of the things that really struck me during the pandemic, being married to a doctor and having other doctors in the family, is how many people were missing screenings, people who were getting odd doses of medicines, people who were missing vaccines that we know for sure were because of this pandemic. And that is a cost that the lockdowns will never fully get grasp in terms of how bad the lockdowns are and why you need to take these lockdowns so seriously. And also the scaring people from leaving their home, uh, what effect that had. It wasn't just economic. It was also health. And this is an interesting piece of data that you know, half a million-ish potential cancer cases missed. And this is something that uh, you know, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe, uh, my wife, who is in an oncology fellowship, uh, this is the thing that stresses her out and her fellow residents is when you catch stuff late. You catch stuff early now. Our medicine is so amazing. Uh, aside from a, f a few really acute things, leukemias, pancreatic cancers, stuff like that, most things there is a lot of treatment that can be done. And when you catch stuff late, then it is a real problem. That is the problem. And that's exactly what happened. And that's just from the UK, maybe quarter of a million, maybe three quarters of a million cases. So that's scary. And that's that will lead to death. People will die because of that. <laughs> 
Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? It's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most significant conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. All right, today's guest is Mark Levin, the great one, as he is affectionately known, and we get into his book, American Marxism, as always, one of the books of the year, if not the book of the year, and he has a lot of interesting takes on the Dobbs abortion case that was previously mentioned, as well as what to do uh, to fight back against government tyranny and really deep state tyranny. Uh, always a font of information and also highly complimentary Breitbart, which is always appreciated. Let's roll it. Mark Levin, the host of the Mark Levin Show, Levin TV on Blaze TV, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox News, and his book, American Marxism, which is out this year, will be the number one best-selling book of any book of the millions and millions and millions of books ever written that will sell in the year 2021, and that is unbelievable, and he's on the show with me now. Mark, great to have you back, my friend. And Alex, the feeling is mutual when I mention Breitbart because you guys are just unwavering. And this is very, very important. So God bless you, my brother. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. And I know the whole team, when they hear you say that, will uh, appreciate it very much. And I want to get into the news of the day. And I know your time is precious. But I do have to comment again, having gone through the process of writing a book that was successful this year called Breaking the News. And to see the numbers you're putting up on this, it is just mind-boggling. Uh, and I have to say, I was heckling a lot of people yesterday about Chris Christie's book sales. I have to, I, I have to throw in that jab. <laughs> two, 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 two thousand. I, I don't know what his what his constituency is, um, but yours is about a million hardcovers and probably a million and a half already total sales, and and that will continue. And the book is an important work, American Marxism. Um, what compels you to write a book to say that I'm going to go through this process? It's a really tough process. Uh, it takes a toll on family life, and you know you're so you're so prominent with your voice on TV and radio. What makes you think I'm going to do this? I'm going to sink my teeth into this one. You know, it's interesting. Alex and Rush told me this once. He said, for some reason, people remember the written word more than the spoken word, except for a few, you know, remarkable exceptions of Churchill and Lincoln, that sort of thing. If I were to say to somebody, "What did I say 15 days ago?" Do you remember what you said exactly 15 days ago? I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I could probably. But if you write something, it, it lasts for a long, long time. When I write a book and do all the research, it causes me to think. It causes me to sharpen my mental skills. It causes me to be a better broadcaster. It is exhausting. It does take a toll on the family, as you know. It's every weekend. I get up at 2 in the morning sometimes. I write notes. On the side. It, it, you sort of get obsessed. Then you have to step away. Then you go back again. 
That's why when you look at a Chris Christie, first of all, I don't know if he wrote the book. I seriously doubt it. He assumes in the book that he's going to tell everybody where the Republican Party is going. People don't want an obnoxious, narcissistic, narcissistic, egomaniac, basically having all these things in a book and pushing it. The American people, that is, in particular, conservatives know where we want to go. And we certainly are not going to follow Chris Christie, who's, who's a chameleon. He's a rhino. He's a, he went into the Trump tent, and then he, he stabs people in the back. He's utterly disloyal. Anybody that shows up on Nicole Wallace's show, you got to wonder if they're not mentally unhinged, quite frankly. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I, I just feel he, he is an example of what is wrong with politics. That is, people who are not um, really substantive, haven't done anything profound despite being in public life, they say, follow me, I'll show you how to win. These are losers. And we don't want to just win, do we, Alex? We need to turn the tide. You know, I listened to the opening with Andrew Breitbart. God, do we miss him. And he was yeah. a friend of mine, and we miss him terribly. What did he say? He got these Pied Pipers, in effect, who want us to follow them, who do nothing. They say one thing. Mm. I mean, I'll give you an example. They're fighting now on this mandate. Mike Lee was on my show last sure. night. There's a handful of these guys, maybe 15 of them. But you got guys that show up on TV and radio. They talk tough. we got to fight these men. Okay, we need a vote. We're not sending you to war. We need your vote. Well, I can't vote. we got to extend the government. You can shut down the private sector for a year and a half, and that's righteous. You shut the government down for one hour, and all hell's going to break loose. It's unbelievable. This is a perfect segue, because one of the things I wanted to talk about, of course, is the vaccine mandates. Um, and I've got a couple angles I want to hit with you on this. You've been one of the most prominent conservative critics of it, and uh, I, I just want to get your thoughts for anyone in the audience who's not familiar with your thinking on it, which, of course, they know my opinion, which is they're all appalling. Uh, but we're seeing even some Republicans vote to fund many Republicans vote to fund vaccine um, uh, databases now. And this is just alarming why we're not regardless of your take on the vaccine itself. This just seems like a fundamental one where everyone should be in line on this and we should be able to reach across the aisle on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet I'm not, I'm not seeing it necessarily, but give me your thoughts. Well, look, I took the uh, J&J, I took the booster, and that's my decision. You know, what is it that they say? It's my body, my choice. Yeah. But let's say uh, my bell. neighbor doesn't want to do it. Yeah. What, what, is the, what is the point of the vaccine? The point of the vaccine is to protect me from somebody else or from the So why do I care if somebody else is vaccinated or not? Either that or this whole damn thing is a fraud. It's not science. It's power. And I've concluded that the vaccines that were started under Trump are good. And so I take them. But if somebody doesn't want to take them, that's perfectly fine by me. I could care less. Now, here's the thing. You can support vaccines and oppose tyranny. And that's my problem. Tyranny. First of all, the federal government has absolutely no power to mandate a damn thing. And it's never mandated vaccines. This is the police power that belongs to the states. We have a federalist system that's being destroyed. We have national sanctuary systems going on, national abortion decisions going on, everything being centralized. Why? To attack us. That's why people who believe in freedom, they want to nationalize and centralize elections. Why? So they can eliminate red states. I'm on to these people. You're on to these people. The listeners are on to these people. That's why we resist. Not because we're anti-vaccine. We're anti-tyranny and totalitarianism. And this is a slippery road. What happened 15 days to stop the spread? Now it's, yeah. uh, what is it, a year and a half, two and a yeah. half, five years? We have this new variant, right? The people who found out about it, the head of the, the Science uh, Association in South Africa, she discovered, she's actually a practicing doctor, unlike Fauci, 
and she's she said it's 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 extremely mild. We have one case in California, and he holds a press conference. One case in California. He admits that the the guy's going to be fine. So what did you hold a press conference for? I mean, and then Ducey, I call him the Deuce now. Ducey, he <laughs> he asked the question that everybody's on everybody's mind. You're letting illegal aliens pour into this country, and he right. said, "Well, they're being tested uh, on occasion." What do you mean they're being tested on occasion? We have unknown illegal aliens, about half a million who poured into this country in the last year, in addition to other illegal aliens, in addition to other people who they're making legal by default. We have no idea if they have COVID or not. You don't get the information. And in terms of science, he exposed himself. He doesn't really care about that because it's politically, you know, with his party and that administration, it's politically uh, not a good thing to raise it. And same with natural immunity. You go on that CDC site, you don't know how many people have natural immunity. They're not keeping that data because natural immunity is stronger, stronger. We know the New England Journal of Medicine, the Israelis had tens of thousands of subjects, citizens they tested, 27 times more powerful than the vaccine. Isn't that a good thing to know? Isn't that great? No, not if you're dividing the country, not if you're using uh, uh, medical fascism to impose your will, business, just to shut shut. Uh, Mark, you cut out there for a second. Perfect chance for me to bring up another another item that I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to get you expand yeah. on uh, uh, Dr. Fauci because it's a, a constant character on the show in com. But it, it really does seem like he's acting almost like the dictator of the country, uh, almost at like a, an emperor status. He's not accountable to the voters at all. I don't know where he got so much power, but for whatever reason, he is in so uh, control over so much of our lives. And he has no credibility to have this level of power, and yet he's able to usurp it in such an effective way. I've never seen anything like this in the United States, where one unelected person has just assumed so much power with a, such a terrible record, to be honest. He's been wrong on so many things. We have experts. You know, we have a great country. We have experts from Stanford, from Yale, experts from these top schools who disagree with him. So the Democrats pretend they believe in science. Let me ask you, what is that in a womb? Is that a puppy? Is it a, uh, is, is it a figment of people's imagination? It's a baby. Okay. Yeah. And technology. The more technology we have, the more we realize it's a real live baby that can live longer and longer and longer in the womb and, and survive outside the womb. No, no. It's a choice right up to the end. So the abortion issue to me brings it all to a head, that it's about politics. It's about ideology. It's about choice, quote unquote. It's not about human beings. It's the dehumanization of human beings. If you're not vaccinated, you're not a human. And uh, they've taken what is the, uh, the, the racism of the, of, of, of the last 50, 100 years in this society against blacks, and they flipped it. So rather than the Martin Luther King model, we have this other model. So it all surrounds this whole notion of tyranny and totalitarianism. And, of course, the media is a huge part of this. They're the propaganda wing. So if you question Fauci, you know, you're banned from Twitter, you're banned from Facebook. The whole point about science is to have intellectual, smart discussions, debates, so you come up with this, with solutions, you come up with real science. When you're cutting it off, just think about hundreds of years ago, when you're cutting off debate, and somehow the government, when it comes to this, knows everything. And of course, it doesn't know everything. Uh, you're regressing. You're throwbacks. 
Yeah, I think this is a great way to sum it up. Uh, Mark Levin, again, is my guest. Levin TV on Blaze TV, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, the Mark Levin Show on this station, Sirius XM Patriot, and also American Marxism, a must-read book, the biggest book of the year by a mile, and uh, congrats again on that. Uh, let me ask you specifically about this major case, the Dobbs case that we've been talking about throughout the show today. Uh, and the abortion issue. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Did you? What, what were your takes on some of the arguments that were made yesterday? Do you have any anticipation on what could go down and how it will affect the country when it does? I think what Roberts will try and do is narrow it to Mississippi and try not to reach Roe v. Wade. That's my guess. But I will say this. This is a matter of real choice. That is federalism, 50 states, the reason we have 50 states is so we don't have revolutions in this country. In other words, so there's not a complete 100 percent winner and a 100 percent loser. So some states have the death penalty, some don't. Some states have high taxes, some don't. You have Florida that has treated the virus one way. You have California that's treated the virus another way. So people can get up. You have mobility. You have 50 states. We were citizens of states before we were citizens of the United States. So again, here, there's no reason the Supreme Court should be nationalizing cultural issues, moral issues, social issues. So nine lawyers, typically five to six, a majority of lawyers make all these decisions because the people are rubes and too stupid to decide for themselves. They can elect the state governments they want. So if you have strict anti or pro-life positions in Mississippi or so forth, and you don't in all the blue states and half the red states, so be it. If you are that committed to having an abortion, you can go to a state that allows it. But you can't have a Supreme Court illegitimately twisting the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution to support Roe v. Wade. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg understood that. If this is just another political Politburo, it's going to lose all of its uh, all respect because it's just a political body, and that's why these these confirmations are so political. The Constitution says nothing in the 14th Amendment about this. It's a huge stretch. And one last point. The Solicitor General of the United States said that this is about liberty. Didn't Joe Biden just say liberty is nonsense when it comes to the vaccine? Didn't Fauci say the same thing? So in other words, it's an amazing thing. We have American Marxists, the hard left, telling us it's about liberty. Well, if it's about liberty, they should surrender because they're about totalitarianism. And it's not the liberty of the baby in the womb. There's two people involved here. And if you don't believe it's a person, then you reject science. I would love to have Fauci on my show to discuss abortion. I would love to discuss science with him. What is that on a sonogram? What the hell is that? My point is that if the court were to follow the rules, it would reverse course. I don't think it has the guts to do that, but it may. It may uh, rule that uh, Mississippi's okay. I don't trust them. I don't know. And what's the big deal? Mississippi says, after 15 weeks, we know the baby can survive outside the womb. And so that's our cutoff. Okay, is that so irrational? Is that a backward state? No, I think that's a very progressive position. Progressive, not politically progressive intellectually. I think that's a very good position to have. What's wrong with that? Because their yeah. position is right up to one second before birth, it's not a baby. Now, how stupid is that? I uh, agree there completely. Uh, let me get your take quickly, Mark, on some of the various cabinet secretaries in the Biden administration, because I go across the board, it just seems like a cast of cartoon characters from Tony Blinken, who seems to think America is bigger human rights abuser than China, to Mayorkas, who's basically an open borders guy in charge of our border security. 
um, to Merrick Garland, who seems totally over his skis to run the Justice Department in letting the deep state essentially target law-abiding, tax-paying American parents uh, worse than they target the actual criminals. Do you see any particular weak spots of this group? (laughs) You just named it. (laughs) Is there a strong spot in this group? I mean, uh, just so media matters, and media can hear me very clearly, these are buffoons who have autocratic uh, goals. And uh, they appear to have a a horrific view of their own country, and they're bowing and bending over backwards to these uh, genocidal regimes like North Korea, China, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. That regime's within two months of literally having a nuclear weapon, and they're slow-walking the dumbest administration in American history. And uh, the Europeans are following us to their own demise. And uh, and Israel has said, stop negotiating with them. we got to get serious about this. And apparently uh, Bennett, the very weak prime minister of Israel who toppled Netanyahu, he's at loggerheads with this Blinken. And I have to say, I agree with John McCain on one thing, the late John McCain. He said, this guy's not qualified to ever be secretary of state. Truer words have never been spoken. And here's my fear. you got 100,000 Russian troops on the Ukrainian board, 100,000. You've got 150 jet fighter flights over or around Taiwan airspace in the last four days. You have this regime in Tehran that's selling um, 500 million barrels of oil to China. They're making an alliance with China and Russia, and they are within a blink of having nuclear weapons. This world is extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous right now because weakness, uh, senility, appeasement, sellout, call it what you want, is extremely provocative. These are going to be three very, very dangerous years. Uh, last one for today. Again, Mark Levin, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, uh, I love when you're able to join my show. And, uh, of course, at Breitbart, we're keeping an eye on what you're talking about consistently. In American we Marxism, love Breitbart, baby. Yeah, and we love Mark Levin. Uh, the the Andrew Breitbart started writing about critical race theory, as did uh, Joel Pollack, who's still our senior editor. And um, they started writing about critical race theory in 2012. And uh, you did your homework on this in a major way in American Marxism. You trace it back to Marcuse, who was one of the villains of of our coverage of Breitbart and of Andrew's book, uh, Righteous Indignation, that everyone should pick up. This is an amazing thing that Andrew was really on the cutting edge of this, but this warning was so important. And did we not heed it enough, though, Mark, that that you had to write your book? Did we miss something here? And how do we uh, get back on track? Because the left is always moving forward. And I sometimes feel like we have too few people on the right who are really taking bold stances sometimes against really where where the bad guys are. Well, first of all, Andrew and my buddy Joel Pollack deserve a lot of credit. They really do. And so tip of my hat, that's for sure. Uh, No, we didn't take it seriously enough. We don't take any of this seriously enough. Climate change. I mean, that is so absurd, the idea that human beings can affect gravity, the sun, the atmosphere in any significant way. George Carlin did a whole thing on this in the 70s. It was hilarious. Like, we have any control over what goes on. The the idiocy and the sanctimony of, uh, of, of human beings to believe that you know, that uh, if you recycle plastics or if you uh, if you drive less, that somehow we're going to affect this planet that's been around for three and a half billion years. And the sun even longer than that is so stupid, it's beyond belief. Now, that said, critical race theory is Marxism dressed up in racism. So it's a twofer for them. 
The climate change movement is a degrowth movement. That's why they're attacking fossil fuels. Fossil fuels is the heart and soul of our industry, of any industry, even in communist regimes, certainly in our country. It was the heart and soul of the Industrial Revolution, which brought us the vast middle class, the proletariat that was supposed to overthrow the bourgeoisie. Well, Marx was wrong. The proletariat is the middle class. It's the mass of America that fights to protect this country and loves this country. And so this is an attempt now, they've decided, to indoctrinate little kids. Because if you have little kids, when they get older, who don't support the country, don't support the economic system, you lose your country. They have taken over our public school system through the NEA and the AFT, through these superintendents and these, these school boards, and the parents are now well aware of this. The problem is, whether they win elections or lose elections, the, the, the American Marxists spend 24-7 trying to destroy what we try to build. It's easy to destroy things and build things. Uh, ask any terrorist. Ask Hamas. Ask uh, uh, Hezbollah. It's easier to destroy things than to build things. But it was important that we got the attention of teachers, that they saw what was happening on their screens. It's important that over a million people have listened to or read this book so they understand that climate change has nothing to do with climate change. It is a war on our economic system and private property rights. And look at the dehumanization. We now have people on TV like Joy Reid, and it is my mission to see her removed. I'm not one of these guys that says, hey, free speech. No, she's an out-of-the-closet homophobe and racist, and you can name whatever you want to. The idea that Comcast gives her a platform for her three viewers, I don't care about that, is outrageous, hmm. and we need to address this corporate media. All that said, this constant dehumanization, when you look at China, it's dehumanization. When you look at uh, Cuba, when you look at Venezuela, Individuals are nothing. They're non-human beings. They're not even fetuses. They're, 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 they're people who are in the way. And when you read Marx, you understand. He says, look, there's going to have to be despotism for a period of time. A hundred million people dead. And we still put our toe in the water of Marxism, whether it's Bernie Sanders or, or the man in the Oval Office who shuffles around and doesn't know one end of the building from the other. This is a movement. We are up against a movement that uses liberty against liberty, that uses the Constitution against the Constitution. And that's the point of the book, that average people, people who are not engaged, need to pay attention to this. Because you see what's going on in the schools? That's one of the consequences of it. You see inflation? You see how they're destroying our economic system? That's a consequence of it. You see how they're spending money like, like uh, drunken Marxists? They're destroying the currency. And the more you have emergency situations, whether it is a vaccine, whether it is a, a virus, whether it's economic uh, dissolution, whether it's impoverishment, the more people turn to government and the more government grabs. And that's what we're up against. Do you find it heartening what's going on in these schools? Because I, I really do, though I, I wish it was much more widespread, but it does seem like this sort of local civic activism is returning on the right in a productive way. And I'm not just talking about holding signs, which is fine, and calling Congress people, which is fine. The people actually taking control back of the school system, um, at least in pockets of the country, it seems like a good sign, though, again, not, not robust enough of an effort still. I agree with that entirely. Uh, this is a bottom-up uh, thing that's going on, like the Tea Party was bottom-up. And one of the obstacles we always have is the Republican establishment. First of all, they take credit for all the success of the grassroots. <laughs> so true. You know, they look upon Breitbart or Blaze or me, uh, you know, with a really uh, – uh, they, sort, they sort of cringe at us. Oh, we're not like them. And on the other hand, the benefits of what we build, the audiences, the information, the substance we provide them – 
which which provides them with majorities often. Uh, they like it's they like the, uh, the 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 golden goose eggs, but they hate the golden goose of the conservative movement. Well, you know what? Enough is enough. This is why I've been fighting these people my entire life, and I'm going to keep fighting these people my entire life. They look at Virginia, they take credit for it. No, no, no. The parents, the taxpayers, the people rose up from the bottom. There's a movement going on right now in front of our eyes. They should embrace it. We should build on it. We need to push the culture back. Virginia was one battle in a long series of battles that have to take place. It's a political battle over the culture. Andrew said it. He's right. And we're losing the culture. Even when we win elections, they control the colleges. They control the universities. They still control the elementary schools and the middle schools and the high schools. So we have a lot of work to do. Look at corporate media, more obnoxious, more propagandist than ever before. And they're proud of it. Comcast, AT&T, all the other blunderers, they're proud of it. They don't, they don't even blink. So we the people need to use we the people to fight back. And by the way, not to hawk it, I really don't want to, but that's the last chapter of the book, Chapter 7 of American Marxism. Uh, very important. Also, there's a great video interview uh, where Mark and I discussed the book as well that's available if you hunt it down on your favorite non-Google search engine. But Mark, it's always a pleasure. I'll be listening this afternoon as always. Alex, you're a good friend. I love you guys. I go there all the time to Breitbart. This is the new media. The videos in the in the streets when the riots are taking place, this is the real media. It needs to get stronger and bigger because the influence is crucially important. Thanks for everything you do, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks to you, and welcome back anytime. We had a great crop of callers today on SiriusXM on the live show at 6 a.m. Eastern, and today's call of the day is Leon from D.C. It's somewhat of a disagreement call. Leon and I discuss race relations in America. I think it's a compelling back and forth, and here it is. Roll it. I was trying to, I guess, comment on the topics you were talking about earlier. I'm, I'm not sure how your process works. But uh, I'm a black man, and like I've been in D.C. all my life, I'm 46. Um, I support Black Lives Matter. I don't have a Black Lives Matter flag. I do have um, friends that are, you know, of all races. They have the Black Lives Matter flag, and they support. But you don't see any black or people that's not, quote-unquote, racist supporting the Ku Klux Klan or walking on the street with torches, chanting, you know, saying, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. So there are radicals on both sides. However, you don't see any black people marching with their KKK. You don't see any black people marching with their Proud Boys. So there's definitely a difference. But to say that, you know, every crime that happens against white people um, and a black man does it, you know, every, and unfortunately, every race doesn't want to claim that person. Like when someone shoots up a school or when someone shoots up a club or someone goes to a crowd, every race is like, I hope they're not white. I hope they're not black. And, you know, so that's just human nature. So it's unfortunate that we're like that. But, you know, no no race wants to claim that bad apple. And, Leon, I I don't know what your politics are, but my audience is, you know, is varied. But there's a lot of uh, conservatives in the audience, and a lot of them – uh, do struggle with this, which is that every time a white person it seems like commits a crime, it, they, we announce that they're racist, even if there's no history of racism. And then you have a black person who commits a uh, uh, a looks. It appears it again isn't the trial appears to be a really heinous crime where uh, there are a lot of white victims, 
And I don't know for sure if he's a racist or not. In fact, I have very limited insight uh, in that at all. But it is one of these things where we uh, there is half of a half of us appear to be uh, inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt until we sort it out. And the other half are just saying, well, why don't we just call him racist the same way we would have done if he was a white guy who ran through a parade with a bunch of black and brown people in it. And that's the, the dilemma. I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm just saying that is what people are struggling with. Yeah, and that's true. And again, that can, we can we can go back that way, back and forth. Like to say, for instance, if you have a black man in Open Curry State walking down the street with a rifle, he's most likely is going to die that day or very close to it. You know what I'm saying? The police interaction is going to be totally different as if a white man walks down the street, Open Curry. You know, saying, "Hey, how you doing? Can I see your license?" You know, saying, "Okay, let me check the gun." Okay, here's your back. You know, one or two police cars. When a black man walks down the street with open carry, you're going to probably have, like, the whole street is going to get shut down. And, you know, he's going to be put on his knees, on his face, and, you know, treated. And so that goes both ways. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not as negative on, on it as, as you, Leon. There, there's a famous story of uh, Andrew Breitbart, who is my, my boss, where he got a lot of, he made a lot of hay out of this, that MSNBC went to a Tea Party rally um, back in, I think it was 2009 or so, and there was a guy carrying a huge gun. Uh, it was open carry state, and MSNBC went totally nuts on it. How, and they didn't show the picture of the guy who was black. They showed the picture of the gun. So, he, it, it, I mean, it's right. not, I don't know what the percentages are, Leon, and I'm not doubting that there's, you know, there's there's some percentage discrepancy, but I don't think it's a guarantee that you're, you're going home in a body bag if you're a black guy who uses his open carry. But let me ask you about your take on Black Lives Matter, because you're in D.C. I lived in D.C. Yeah. for a long time. And it, okay. it seems like there's a lot of Black Lives Matter virtue signaling there, the people who I don't think are actually trying to help black people a lot, who just announce they're for Black Lives Matter, because it's very easy for them. It's very easy to announce you like Black Lives Matter. It's harder to actually spend time trying to fix some of the uh, any racial divide that might exist in the country. So I kind of want your take. And my, and my take on Black Lives Matter is, like I said, I'm not a member of them. I've never been to one of their rallies or anything like that. You know, but my take with Black Lives Matter is like, okay, we support our race. Yeah, all lives matter, black, blue, brown, green, they all matter. However, when it comes to certain certain situations, it seems like ours don't. You know, like, again, with the scenario, okay, I'll take a black life before I take a white person's life. I'll take a dog's life before I take a white person's life. You know what I'm saying? I'll take a, you know what I'm saying? I'll take a black person's life before I harm anybody else. So it's just like, you know, it's those certain situations where Black Lives Matter, if I'm getting their argument, we don't matter to everybody. And yeah, there's black on black crime, there's white on white crime. You know, most black people say, you know what I'm saying, if, you know what I'm saying, black people kill each other more than anybody else, which is probably true. But it doesn't mean that it's okay for us to walk down the street and, you know, we get pulled out of a car and shot because we said something wrong or, you know, didn't do what we were, quote-unquote, supposed to do. So, and it's the same with, you know, saying the KKK. They support their own, you know, they, they support their own businesses. They don't deal with, you know, other races, X, Y, Z. Do you they, think the KKK is a big problem right now in America? Um, I'm going to say right now, I really don't know. I really don't know anybody, you know, in my area that's affiliated with them, have any interaction yeah. with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty... Must going to say in D.C. they probably wouldn't show their face there. 
Leah, Leah, let, let me just say something to you that I hope is a, is a comfort, uh, which is that I'm a the pr- prominent conservative in America, and I run a big conservative website, and I've uh, talked to people on talk radio for many years. I, I couldn't name a single KKK member. I, I've never got an email from any of them. I've never I've been reached out to by someone from the KKK. And so I don't think they're a big threat to people in the United States. I think they're universally detested. And I think that there's no, they have no constituency. There's, I'm not saying that there aren't a hundred of them, you know, somewhere in, in backwoods somewhere. I'm sure you can find them, but it's the, they're, they're not a factor in American life. And I think they're used by people to try to foment division. I think they are brought up so that people can say that, well, look, they're extremists on both sides. Of course, there's extremists on both sides. That's, that's not a really important point. But Leah, let me run. Call me back sometime and it'll be good to chat again. All right, thanks to Paul D'Amelio and Greg Evan, our producers, and Robert Marlowe, who helped me pick topics. And thanks to all of you who told 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast and about what we do at Breitbart.com, sharing our content on the social web, maybe picking up breaking the news for someone for Christmas. All of that, very much appreciated. And we'll catch you tomorrow for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Apologize. Oh